Jessica Paxton with you, host of All Wheel Drive weekdays, 3 until 7 p.m. here on 95 The One. This is Jeff Johnson. Join me for the KYMN Morning Show, weekdays 6 to 9, right here on your radio station, KYMN Northfield. Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org. Or call 507-645-8877. Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Thank you so much for joining us today and for helping us to celebrate creating and, of course, stories. Today, I'm going to ask you, I'm hopefully going to give maybe a little idea to you about a way to work on your own art. And I guess I'll ask first if you have a project buddy. I found that to be useful over the years. And this, this week, I was looking at a, at the blank page, trying to figure out what to, to write. And of course, the cat came into the room, jumped on my desk, and laid across both of my forearms. And I think this was her way of saying, um, you're going to write, and I'm not going to move until you get something on that page. <laughs> it was quite adorable. Uh, but of course, then she started uh, purring and twitching her tail, and uh, it became a little bit of a distraction once she started having her tail rub- go across my neck. I was like, that's enough. Can't do that. I think she actually also knows that once there's probably some writing on the page, then the printer goes, and that is the most exciting thing that happens to her all day long. She loves watching the printer work. So, uh, that's one writing partner, but I, I think that there's another way, and I hope this might be a new idea for you, because sometimes creating can be a lonely endeavor. Showing up for yourself and your project can be a challenge. It's not that you don't want to make progress, it's that you don't, and it's not that you don't love getting into your imagination. Sometimes that resistance is steep, and the climb to your studio or table or workspace or page or music stand or clay or easel can be a long commute. On the way to your space, there can be a ton of distractions and stuff that needs doing. So I've heard of lots of different ways to make it easier or obvious. I've heard, let yourself eat your favorite candy only in your workspace. Start by telling yourself you only need to work for 15 minutes. Start with something playful and easy. I know of someone who painted an arrow on their wall directing themselves to their studio space. I've heard people say that you should go to your space first thing in the morning before anything else gets your attention. Or that you end your sessions in the middle of something that you know where to begin the next time. So there are lots of tips and tricks to help you show up for your imagination. 
one strategy that's helped me recently and other writers in our group is to use Zoom. Now, I have to put a shout out to our member, uh, caller S, out there. She was absolutely right. This was a long time ago, before COVID. She joined an online group that used this new technology that none of us had ever heard of to have writing sessions. There was no structure, no agenda, no prescribed practice or exercises. It was just a time set up to come online in Zoom with other like-minded creators. Now, our writing group didn't adapt this practice until the pandemic hit, and we couldn't be in person. And we we did meetings that way at first, but then we decided to switch to co-work times, which is what we called it when we used to work in local libraries and coffee shops. It was just a place to go to get together where we could co-work. And it's strange at first when you, you go on to a Zoom co-work because you're seeing each other in their space, but you're not talking to each other. You're not... Um, and engaging with each other. You're just each at your own space working on your stuff. And it does work to move you into your project. If you know that you're expected to be creating and and others are there doing it, it's motivating to get going. We don't say a word to each other until our prescribed check-in time. And I recommend this if you want to get going on a project. It's a little like being in a classroom together, but without the commute. And I know that many students write some of their best starts when they are together in a classroom. It's the fact that others are doing the same thing, that there's a positive pressure to write, and that it would be frankly weird to start opening your mail, making a sandwich, or doing the dishes, which you couldn't do in a classroom, but that was the example. It's often a distraction if everyone else is writing. So now you have a new use for your Zoom account. And I say it's much better than the cat partner method. And absolutely, togetherness breaks down resistance. It gives you a place and a time to show up for your imagination, for your projects. And not being together to share arts experiences has been one of the ways that has been hard during this pandemic. And we are slowly moving towards more shows and concerts and gatherings, and that is exciting. We've been adapting to this world and making these happen because they're important. And that coming together is a key part of making art, whether it's for sharing, being inspired, working through things, or showing up for your project. Together is better. So today on Arts Zany Radio, I welcome Paul Nemisto to the show. Welcome again, Paul, to Arts Zany Radio. Yet again. It's exciting. It's been a couple months. We were here for the... Um, Vintage Band Festival. Yep, at that yeah. was early, early summer. And here we are. You're doing something with the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra, which is very exciting. They are going to have a concert called Serenade, Farewell to Summer. And we're also going to do something new that we haven't done before. We're going to engage in a little lesson on the art of the orchestra. So let's, um, actually, I want to start maybe by asking you to take us back to the start of CVRO, because if I remember my history correctly, it started in the park, didn't it, as, as a concert? I, my wife, Eleanor, and I moved to Northfield in the fall of 1978 with a little newborn daughter, and uh, I went out and met some people, and I met people in grocery stores and in the street and stuff, and Many of them said that they played instruments. And so finally I started saying, well, where, where's the orchestra? Well, uh, the answer was there wasn't any orchestra. So then I said, well, I, mean, I, I had just had some experience with community orchestras in Canada before I came here. And uh, I, was, I was thinking about how valuable they are. And so I just kind of asked over at the Northfield Arts Guild at the time. Uh, Marie Sathram and some of those people were there. Mm-hmm. And um, and Myrna Johnson and mm. 
they uh, encouraged me to go forward. So that's how it got started. And then that first summer was when the Northfield Arts Guild had its arts fair at Central Park. That's right. They, they took over the park. But I think it was only for one day, I think it was. And uh, and so we just played on the grass right there. There was no shell, no auditorium, nothing at that. So that is that is the story of how it started, yes. And so that I think that's kind of a wonderful bookend, right, to you know see that that's coming, it's going to happen again. That you decided. You don't to mean do. that it's going to end. Now. No, I don't mean that. That's it's, what I. Bookmarker. Should I call bookmarker, it? Bookmarker. We'll that's call better. It that. Thank yes. you, dear. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was not what I was intending, uh, because it, I just thought it was a lovely thing that you, it's it's a part of your history. It's how you started, and here you are again, doing the same same thing. And this is called the Serenade Farewell to Summer. It is on Thursday, the thirtieth of September, at seven p.m. And this is where people have to pay attention because it's at the Odd Fellows Park Pavilion, right? Which is now not a place like you said, just like Central Park. Yeah. It doesn't have a, a banshell yeah. or. Yeah. They're they're on Google if you look it up, but it's by the Forest Avenue, which is a short street that comes off of Highway Three coming in. Or, I'm sorry, Highway Nineteen coming in, and it's by the Odd Fellows. Uh, Retirement complex up the hill from Malta Meal is another, For, that'd be another way to say it, yes. Uh, yes, it's yeah. it's very yeah. easy to find. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's going to be a, a so tell us how this came together because there's been a hiatus on on the CBRO. Well, uh, we didn't we haven't done anything for a couple of years. No, nobody has uh, with all the optimism and the tr- the hype and all of the arts groups trying to keep things alive without any real thing happening uh all of these efforts to try to do music online and all of these things very struggle a big struggle yes did cvro ever do any zoom rehearsals I or don't <laughs> advocate it it's it's uh, as you just have talked about um, although you did talk about zoom just now but it's it's the people being with other people that makes music work, and and there's a, a delay with the music and sound. Well, I think there are there's technology. Uh, there people are do, there were some amazing um, sort of circus acts that went on with with music, and where the people did figure out how to do the the chronology and make it all come out the timing work out. Um, there was all kinds of interesting examples online. Anyway, we didn't want to do that. We want to do do the real thing. So we just uh, kind of waited and kind of. Try to maintain our um, our organization through having the the council of uh, the people that run the orchestra meet on a regular basis to talk about strategies for for going forward. And of course, nobody could do anything without some kind of a way to predict what the future is. And there's been no prediction of the future uh, that has been <laughs> viable. And I I fear that that. St- condition is still going on with us we still don't really know what the fall holds but anyway uh we uh we sort of sensed that it would be okay to get together if in an outdoor setting so except that we decided that was true fairly late in the summer and uh, so we, we, we kind of scrambled to put this thing together because we really needed to see each other. We needed to be in each other's presence again. The, the players and, and I wanted to be together making music and seeing each other and chatting and uh, sh- sharing stories and supporting each other. And so we decided to do that. And so we had a, we had a couple rehearsals already. And um, they were actually, we held them over at the Oddfellows Parks Pavilion. So... People in the neighborhood have gotten three concerts if they really wanted to listen. How lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
anyway, um, and, uh, and the idea was that we just wanted to get together and have this happen. And, uh, and so there's, there's been a couple of milestones that have taken place over the period of the last couple of weeks. The first milestone was that we actually sat down and got together. That's it. Like I said, put a put a mark on the wall. We got we got that much done, and that know? was probably an outdoor meeting too. Oh, of course it was. Mm-hmm. And then so we rehearsed, uh, and that was a, an event for us. I mean, and then we had another one last night, and it went extremely well. And uh, it was it was just fun to be there and fun to listen to the music and for me and to ex- anticipate what's going to happen next week. Well, and so the next week will be the other. Mark on the wall will be we'll have put on a concert for the first time in in months and months and months and months and years months. two years probably uh, basically yeah and yeah. so uh, if there is for some reason some catastrophes with the put pandemic and so forth and the fall gets delayed or whatever we at least have done this and we are very happy with it very satisfied with it. Take us to that rehearsal. I wonder, you know, if you can describe how everyone reacted, how the how it felt. Was it uh, amazing, weird, uh, wonderful? It was a very positive feeling. There was a sense of uh, people just kind of knew their where they where they sort of sit in this place they normally sit, and there are people next to them that they normally sit next to, and all of these things. Uh, and of course the the chatter between rehearsal sessions was was enormous and. Uh, <laughs> Brought along a, a big um, a big urn of hot cider last night to, for the for the break between the middle of the rehearsal and uh, it was just a, a lot of fun to see and people were a little skitterish you know there about uh, masks and what whether to wear a mask or not and and, uh, and that's happening everywhere <laughs> and uh, and um, what, being careful about coughing on people and all these kind of things were going on so there was a new a new layer of of reserve that was there, but it did not prevent the orchestra from enjoying each other itself. We had our own little celebration. I would imagine, right? And and as the um, conductor, did you have trouble bringing people back? Were people just jumping at the chance to do this? I was surprised, uh, considering the fact that we kind of spontaneously came up with this idea. What in July, sometime, I guess it was. I was I was really surprised at how quickly people were willing to respond positively to this and want to do this. I think they were feeling the same thing that we were, that we just, we just have to do something. Mm -hmm. We have to, we have to express ourselves and our, our friendship with each other and we have to do it while we can. And for this concert, and and I think it's a delight. Um, And, and it's kind of, there's not like, like we said, there's not a pavilion, not a, there's a covered space, but where's the orchestra going to set up and what should people as audience members expect? Expect to be sitting out on the grass with a chair. Okay. So bring your blankets and chairs and I don't think you need it. The weather's going to be fine. Uh, I don't think you need an umbrella. (laughs) You might want to bring along your mosquito dope. (laughs) (laughs) That happens. And uh, as it, as it goes from uh, seven o'clock towards eight fifteen or so, it's going to go only going to be an hour. Oh, it's no intermission. Uh, you may want to have your sweater or your or a or a throw rug on to put on across your knees because <laughs> it, it, it may the temperature may go down a bit. But it's supposed to be you know between the seventies and sixties, so it's going to be very tolerable and very doable for the string players who often worry about cold weather because they're 
joints get stiff. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. that that's a big. That's why you don't see winter <laughs> yeah, <laughs> string <right>. concerts. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And so, uh, as far as as audience, I was thinking too. Is there any different etiquette or different um, expectations of, you know, let's say you bring bring a child who you know decides to stand up and you know move around? Uh, which I think this is uh, very much like any concert in the park outdoor experience. I think anyone who's been to the Vintage Band Festival knows that there's a little bit of. Uh, there's a little bit of activity going on within the audience. It's not, you know, a hush-hush wrapped sort of situation. Uh, bring some food if you wish. Uh, an evening, maybe a, maybe some of that hot cider might be good to bring along in a, in a thermos jug, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm so excited for you to be able to get together because I know it's been um, something that you wanted to do. And, 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 and this is going to be – tell us how the, the – Admission or tickets or how that's going to work um, for folks. We will have a printed program, a souvenir, and in it will be an envelope. And uh, we are asking people to make a contribution just to cover the costs. Because we had to do some rental and some other expenses and advertising connected with the concert. So we have run into some expenses that we'd like to cover. And, and the, you haven't had a chance to have concerts, so there's been no uh, you know, income for a couple of years, too. Well, that's true. Yeah, um, so. we, are, we are heavily dependent on that kind of support, but also on grants and so forth. So we have, we have different kinds of support. But we're, recomm- we're sort of asking to at least consider a $15 uh, contribution. It can be in a form of a check or cash and also uh, there's information on the envelope if you want to do it with a with a credit card we're not going to have any mechanism for that but you could do it after the fact if you wanted to so terrific and um yeah and we'll, so we'll make those available to everybody and you can have a spot to turn those in at the end of the concert uh, also let us know who you are because we want to know who our friends are because our friends are people that need to know what we're doing and we need to know who they are so we can just we can just send them information so you can find out about the next one because that's coming it, <laughs> we don't know when you, but it's coming <laughs> you can hope and dream <laughs> yeah, we said it was a bookmarker right right exactly <laughs> <laughs> i love in the description of the cvro on on the northfield arts guild website which we should tell people you can get information about this concert of the history of the cannon valley regional orchestra at northfieldartsguild.org just look in the music section and under cvro is the description but it says that it's a diverse group of volunteer musicians performing symphonic music drawn together by our love of rehearsing and performing this fine repertoire. And I really like that phrase, love of rehearsing and performing, because I think that's such an essential part of being in uh, an orchestra. And Well, it's an art. Yes. And if you're, um, and very much like if you're a painter, uh, there's different processes that go on in the putting together a, a piece of, of graphic arts. One of them is the creation thereof, which is in itself an experience. Maybe very lonely for the one, one person doing it, but it is it is part of what is appreciated. Mm-hmm. It's part of the drive of why to make. And then the other part, of course, is the response to the to the art to for for the other people to look at it and experience it and respond to it. So. Rehearsing and and performing is to say actually the three the three prong process because there's the creation of the music itself by the composer which is a very lonely existence, and then there's the rehearsal which is where the um, musicians start to interpret and study what has been written down and try to 
get pers- get a personal reflection on it and decide how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the third, of course, is to share it with an audience. So, so that rehearsal is it's a it's a creative act in itself, and it's a uh, it is a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and it's this fun. It's a discovery process. Right, because I, I think, as I said earlier, you can't um, sit in your room, learn your part for whatever you know piece that you you know perfect it in your mind, uh, and then expect that it's all going to fall into place with the group. That you need to you know sort of listen to the conductor and you know uh, pay attention to the sounds of, of your neighbors and you know have your timing right. And I have nothing to add to what you said. <laughs> Well, and, and the other thing that I've learned over the years, which I think as a young musician, I had no idea that there are interpretations of pieces and that not every performance is exactly the same of any no, given piece. Every every conductor is a human and they will uh, have a different kind of a day and that day will reflect what they do with the stick. <laughs> uh, and the same with the uh, with a, uh, a principal oboe player or a... Or a uh, trombone player is that they will have a certain kind of day and they may play differently based on what happened before or what external experiences of the day and mm-hmm. their heart goes into the instrument it, yeah that's a really beautiful way of saying it mm-hmm. i think we should play some music too. sure if you like um yeah we have a couple different selections do you, do you have a preference or not I? at all you, I, you surprise me okay um i'm gonna play now this is interesting uh, we're pulling something up here from YouTube, and what I thought we were going to play isn't there. Why did that disappear, do you suppose? Um, oh, because it's probably... Let's let's start it, and we'll see if... No, see, it went to the wrong one. Let's go back. Here we go. This is um, Henry Mancini, Greatest Hits. This is Moon River. So we're going to go ahead and listen to that. Breakfast at Tiffany's. I learned that from listening to this, so here we go. That's what, 1960s. This was a big hit at that time. Like a pop music hit, right? Exactly, and it was um, also sung by all different sorts of uh, Las Vegas stars, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a listen. Put yourself in the park and close your eyes and... Take in the summer evening.
that was so lovely and oh talk about nostalgia exactly it, it does my childhood <laughs> <laughs> and i've been started recently watching a whole bunch of classic movies and breakfast at tiffany's is, is on the yeah, top of my I, list Audrey and, Hepburn, yeah. and i saw a couple of uh snippets of of a collection of her movies with this as a background and yeah. it was just really lovely yeah. but now there uh, i was wondering about the the chorus there is are you going to have singers or oh, no, the no, audience no. going to no. be singers well that's their, that's a <laughs> you have that option if you like if you like the key um and we don't we won't have an, a, a harmonica either it'll I mean, a mouth organ it'll just be instruments but uh anyway yeah and of course henry mancini also defined the 60s he was the he was the preeminent popular music composer of the time. We're not talking about rock and roll, but otherwise. Right. And, yeah. I think it's amazing that you can find things like that on YouTube. And this was... Or um, you can find anything out there. I guess. Yeah. And not only on YouTube, too. There's a lot of reservoirs for old music. You can find it. And uh, this was uh, on YouTube by RCA Records label. It's a remastered version, which I think makes it sound better, right? Yeah, I would take. they would re-digitize it and uh, maybe um, enhance the the clarity a little bit. Yeah. So how did you select the music? Because this is a um, serenade farewell to summer, Thursday, September 30th at 7 p.m. at Oddfellows Park. So it's an outdoor concert. And when you were thinking, you, you didn't have a lot of time, it sounds like, to put it together. No, we, we, had, to, well, we had available resources. I mean, we have our own library we've, we've collected. I mean, we've been going for uh, almost 40 years is our anniversary. What's going on right now? I mean, really. And... Uh, and it's so we've collected a, a library. A lot of these things are go back to when we first got them, um, which is not as far back as the '60s, of course. But <laughs> but it was it was in the 20th century <laughs> anyway. Um, and so that's part of what was what was available. But I was also my thought was uh, kind of a collect a connection uh, classic uh, famous classics and nostalgia i suppose would be the what i'd pull the numbers up and mm -hmm. with some variety in there so we don't have this you know this of course is hollywood and we have we'll have a few things from uh we have, i think we have some other movie music as well and then we have things like classics from the bbc and and, and uh, military marches and all sorts of things Yes, I think it's going to be fun, and I think it's a, a nice way to, um, as you said, salute the summer. It's it's officially fall, but it feels a little bit more like the end of summer yeah, than it does. I don't want to talk about global warming, but it might be that we are uh, getting a positive benefit from it. I'm not quite sure. I I, I don't even want to say that, but uh, I do. But the but the forecast is for very good weather next week. So. And, and so you only get these chances. I think that's something great about living in Minnesota is, is I think we realize that these, these uh, days are dwindling and yeah. that uh, an, a leisurely evening outside is not. It's going to be a rare event at the, on, the, on September 30th. And uh, we, just, we just have to dream. We that's, just have to dream. Is there, do you, which, which of the other two pieces that we selected should we play? Which Up you to think? you, my dear. Okay. Well, I think we're going to play London Everyday Suite um, by Coates. Uh, we'll just do the – it's called the Tarantella. It's a Spanish dance, and it's a, it's a it's sort of um, – I, I think it has, it has to do with uh, just being, uh, being out prancing around in the street. So we'll take a listen to that and see if um, I, I, I was unfamiliar with this one too, but I found it to be quite lovely and charming. Well, it's it's typical BBC light music, uh, written for the radio. 
so that is an interesting point. Um, good for listening. In the 1940s, it's a kind of a war wartime nostal uh, wartime antidote. Shall we say? All right, let's yeah. let's take a listen. This, it was not quite the one that we were thinking. It's still Eric Coates, but this is London again, Suite for Orchestra from 36. So it was a similar vein. For some reason, YouTube decided that that's what we wanted to hear, and it skipped, <laughs> skipped to it. So. That's okay. It's, it's, the style is very similar. It's based on more or less on, on British folk music, folk dancing, and it's, it's just a big, to make f- people feel good. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it's so um, lovely, too. Um, just in, take that in if you're sitting in a park and you know being with other people, being together with people who are also mm-hmm. listening, and right. the players and having that you know exchange. Exactly. And, and it's going it's going to be lovely, and so I'm I'm very excited for CVRO. And anything else about this concert before we move on to our lesson? No, I think I think that we've said the best uh, that we can. The, the lighting will be a little bit dim. There's not a lot of street lighting in that part of of, of this town. So, those of you that have these spelunker um, uh, <laughs> clamps that you put on your forehead, yeah, we've got or, some, <laughs> or, or, a, or a torch. Bring, bring that kind of stuff along with you because you might want to do that to make sure you don't trip over stuff. And, Good idea, you know. especially at the end of the concert uh, when yeah. you're all relaxed right. and it's dark. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, I hope everybody has that on their calendar and will uh, come join for the serenade farewell <laughs> to summer with the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra. I'm here today with uh, Paul Nemisto, and we decided we talked about maybe we could do something just a little bit different because there's your your wealth of knowledge is so I- impressive, and it's so fun to learn from you about different parts of music and and composers. And so we came up with an idea to um, play a little song and. Well, well, your idea was to have a little tour of the orchestra. What is an orchestra about and how does it work? And the first thing I thought about was uh, Maurice Ravel's Bolero, which is a um, one. Some people think of it as a big bore because it's it's 18 renditions of the same melody <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, you know, leading to a climax. And so, uh, but at the same time, it goes through the families of instruments in a, in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that's, and it kind it, more or less um, follows the the score uh, sheet. In other words, the score sheet that the conductor reads uh, is a 
list. In this case, it's about I think about thirty lines of music are on, on the sheet. So you get about five bars, and you got to turn the page, and then the next five bars. Um, and it starts out. If you look at the top, the very top line is usually the flute, piccolo, mm. and then oboe, and then clarinet and bassoon. So you get the the quartet of important woodwinds on the top, the classical woodwinds. And then in this case, because it's a French and it's 20th century and it's Ravel, we have some saxophones in the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely rare. Yeah, that would It's not be. usual. It's not usual. as I mean, considered as classical instruments and it's not a jazz or popular music piece. And then it goes into the brass, horns, trumpets, low brass, and then percussion, uh, and then strings are on the bottom, not because they're not that important. It's just that everybody everybody has to go somewhere, I suppose, mm-hmm. and so they put them on the end. And so, is that is <coughs> instrumentation what makes up the difference between a band, an orchestra, and a symphony? Oh well, that's a that's terminology that is so confusing <laughs> that uh, anything that I say is not going to clarify the situation. Oh, but I'll, I'll do my best. Um, the or, the word orchestra just is basically a group of players of of sound making machines, <laughs> you know. Uh, and the thing about it is that they use the word orchestra even for popular music. And you can have an orchestra that's got a that's got a guitar, a mandolin, so, yeah. and a, and a saxophone and drums. I mean, it's just and they call it stuff, you know, the orchestra. That goes that's especially in the mid century, mid mid twentieth century. That was a popular music term. I'm supposed to add some class, I suppose, but I just, I don't, th- it's so basically what that did is it made the term f- basically meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it's so confusing for us. <laughs> exactly. A symphony orchestra is usually referred, refers to an, uh, an, an orchestra, uh, a classical a classical orchestra from, say, about the, er, the second or third decade of the 1800s going into modern times, mm. uh, growing and growing in size and complexity as time goes on. Uh, so, And a symphony usually means that kind of a classical group that's on the stage uh, in, a, in the modern era. Mm. And it goes back as far as... I, 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 there are, and it, I think it probably comes from the, from the term for the form, which is a symphony like Beethoven symphonies and Schubert symphonies, which would be the earlier ones. Okay, I'm not. I'm not sure I could def- repeat or define for you, but it's a little clearer. <laughs> yeah, and the, what are they, oh, bands? Well, bands are just uh, uh, orchestras, quote unquote, without any strings. Ah, that's the difference. Okay, that so, makes sense. So you could take the you could take the symphony orchestra instrumentation, lob off the strings, and you have a kind of a band. That is a, that's where my idea of the instrumentation. Uh, right, then, there are then, some instruments missing, but uh, euphonium and a few others. But they just add them in. Perfect. Well, we've uh, you picked the uh, bolero, which is a piece many people will know, and we're going to play it. But you're going to talk over it to give us a little tips and lessons and yeah. Um, well, it's 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 ballet music, so I mean, yeah. Ravel's idea was that uh, the audience would also be distracted by what's going on on stage. And he was, at, frankly, amazed at the level of um, of popularity of the piece in his lifetime. He just, he didn't understand it. He just kind of shook his head because it, it's, it's not very complicated. Ravel is a genius at orchestration, at creating colors by 
combinations of instruments, and uh, I'll I'll talk about some of those things as we go along. Yeah, let's get it started. If you want to look it up, it's uh, the London Symphony Orchestra um, Bolero, and let's um, let's take a listen. Let's see if 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 YouTube is gonna gonna help us out here, and I'll leave your mic on so that you can yeah. talk over. It starts. You got to be very quiet because it's a snare drum playing a rhythm as softly as he possibly can. We're going to back it up. I think you're still in, you're still in, uh, in Coates. Yes. Ah, that's, uh, that's what's happening. You're okay. still playing Eric Coates. Well, how, we don't want that to happen. Well, that's <laughs> not, that's not going to help us with uh, explaining the orchestra. No. Oh my goodness. Let's see. Let's try again. So anyway, we're we're going to be There it is. It's not going to be very loud. There it is. So he's starting at the top of the score with the flute. With all intentions, I suppose, when he started, that this is the direction he was going to go in, just keep on wandering down the score. It's in a fairly low tessitura of the of the flute, the, the bottoms bottommost notes. Now the next thing he goes to is the clarinet, which is not, strictly speaking, in the list as being the next. It's he skips a couple. You can hear the the snare drum getting a little louder, and if you listen very carefully on your system, you can hear pizzicato in the strings. That that is plucking the strings rather than bowing them. <coughs> and then what comes up next in the score order, going down from the top, is the bassoon, which is a double reed instrument. Uh, full of complications in terms of playing. Ravel and Stravinsky knew each other, and if you are familiar with the Rite of Spring, Rite of Spring starts with a bassoon solo in this same register. It's a bit extreme, it's sort of like a panicked bassoonist. Coming up next is the E-flat soprano clarinet, which is a smaller instrument than the ones that you see in, the, in your local town band. And it uh, it's, uh, has a very high tessitura, very high register.
E-flat soprano clarinet solo with orchestra, very rare. The next one coming up is called the Opo d'Amore, which is um, not often found in the orchestra. It's a size instrument between the oboe and the English horn. It's about halfway in between. And it uh, sounds more like an English horn to my ear, but it's also um, a little brighter. And again, it's showing Ravel's uh, f fascination with color. Oboe d'Amore. After he gets done with the Opo d'Amore, he brings the flute back and then adds a trumpet, and they're playing in unison. The trumpet has a mute, so it may not be a familiar sound. It'll be a little bit ethereal. And so with the combination of the two, you can't really tell what it is exactly. It's some other sounding instrument, but just those two instruments together, trumpet and flute. Next coming up is the tenor saxophone. And uh, I have didn't get a chance to look at the score to see whether the couple of little glissandos in here are written in or whether the soloist actually just added them uh, for effect. But anyway, it's a, an unusual sound for a classical orchestra. Tenor saxophone. Coming up next is the Sopranino saxophone. It's a tiny little saxophone and uh, also probably the only solo for Sopranino saxophone and orchestra in the entire repertoire. Very interesting and bizarre kind of sound. Certainly nothing you ever heard before. Now, at the next version he goes, he borrows some sounds from the organ, in which when you play the organ, you play a pitch on a key, and it also resonates a number of overtones, which are, which are resultant pitches. It's not the actual pitch you're playing, but often it's a fifth or, or a fourth higher or three octaves higher, and it's make, it adds color to the, to the sound but it's, it, it's not the actual pitch. 
It's, not, it's being done on the piccolo. And it sounds like an organ. He uses this technique later in some other variations too. The next group is all double reeds. The oboe, which has been neglected so far, plus the oboe d'amore, which you heard, and the cor anglais, which is an English horn, and then some woodwinds, other clarinets. All in unison. Notice that the piccolo is continuing. Again, he's going for exotica, so the next thing he puts in, which is um, not commonly used in this situation, is the trombone. First trombone playing an extremely high tessitura. And uh, again, I wonder whether the performer has added a couple of electric glissandos in there, like the tenor sax, or whether it's, uh, I can remember it's in the score. The next group up are woodwinds. Again, the piccolo will come back with that re resultant sound on top, plus the flutes, oboes, English horn, clarinets, and the saxophone. A big woodwind choir on the melody. That's where we had a little yeah, ad. Right. So, and that sounds very much to my ear like uh, like an organ. Very colorful. The next uh, variation gets involved in. Uh, strings for the first time uh, in, in some prominence that, in, the, in which the violins are actually playing the melody. That hasn't happened yet. I mean, we're, we're what, 10, 12 minutes into the piece and we haven't heard the, the strings playing the melodies yet. goes on from here now with the next few variations uh, just changing the colors ever so slightly by adding other instruments or featuring certain instruments the next one goes back to the uh, woodwind section being a uh, being prominent along with the violin
And as I, as I think now, I look forward to the next few variations. Uh, the violins and all the strings are in now permanently for the rest of the, for the rest of the piece. It just keeps getting more and more intense, gradually louder. The snare drum doing the same thing it did at the very beginning, continuing on and on with this uh, Spanish dance called the bolero. Kind of hypnotic, and that might be the, the hypnotic effect might be what uh, attracts a lot of listeners. Sort of like a mantra. And there's an intensity that's coming from the accompaniment too. Like it's, like it's more urgent, more, more demanding. I know you're having to keep an eye on the clock, Paula. Um, at any point where you need to stop, you can. But we just, just, just keep building and building. start seeing some of the parts actually having markings like fortissimo, very loud here on in. I see a, something coming up here called for the trombone as loud as possible. Two more variations, Paula. You start to get nuts now. That's a that's a technical term. Go nuts. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll accept the authorship of that. Piccolo trumpet, which is a little tiny trumpet, about half the size of the ones you normally see. Something that's executed by the only the brave. more variation. It ends on a big thundering crash with the trombones glissandoing down and all the instruments kind of is sort of like a train coming to a sudden halt. I think there's a certain joyousness in this now. 
big smile on everyone's faces musically. phenomenal <laughs> i i i mean it it just i think the 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 way the piece works i think is is the tension that it builds slowly slowly right yeah. and and I, we have to give a shout out to the snare drum because that probably is one of the most difficult things to do as a well, snare drummer technically it's not difficult trying to do it steadily uh takes a certain amount of concentration exactly and you have to pay attention you know if you want to look at that again on on youtube you found the right clip there's a there's six or seven of them all different eras I, I, you can go back to i think even answer may may have may have done it back in the 30s there are recordings of that so. It's phenomenal. That was yeah. I learned so much about the instruments. I, I there were several instruments that I I didn't know their names. And, and you'll never hear them again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good lesson. And thank you for it sharing. It just means that uh, there was a lot of variation going on in instrument design, and also the French were that at the were the head the head of that whole movement. The, mm. They all, Stebusy uh, and Ravel in particular. Yeah, it was phenomenal. So thank you so much for adding that so we can uh, learn a little bit, take, take some of your uh, expertise and, you know, get some questions answered and hear some things we might not have heard before. My expertise is highly overrated, but I do my best. I appreciate it. Paul Nemisto, thanks for being my guest oh, today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Next week, Thursday, the 30th of September... Seven, thir- 7 o'clock at the uh, Oddfellows Park Pavilion. Be there with uh, your, ch- your, uh, part- your folding chair. Exactly. For the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra Summer Serenade. This is Paula Granquist reminding you, don't forget to add some art zany t- into your life. And in the meantime, till next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. Just two weekends left to celebrate the Minnesota Renaissance Festival's 50th 